Okay, thanks everybody and welcome to another edition of, let's see, we call this Conversations with Dr. Cowan and Friends, I think, and I have no idea what edition we're on because I don't keep track of that stuff. And I don't uh, do a whole lot of, you know, you went to this school or that school because I don't really care about that stuff. Um, and we're now having a few people who are coming, are repeat customers here. And so George Weissman, who's the, I think, owner, founder, creator of Aquacure, uh, is this is his second go around on our podcast. So we're very grateful for that. And let me just lay out what uh, what this is about. And the reason I'm doing this is because we had a, a podcast, I don't know, a year or so ago or something like that. And we had a lot of people who, who you know, got your machine. And we've also been using it in our sort of new biology clinic. And Adam, the doctor who's working there, has said he's seen things that he's never seen before, uh, good things. And so we're getting a lot of reports from you know, not patients, I don't like that word anymore, but people, like they're people. <laughs> like this is stupid word, patient. Like they're just people who have issues who have gotten better. Uh, and that's great. And so th uh, that has led us uh, people to ask us a lot of questions. And so there's really just five questions that I hope we get to today. And I'm going to lay those out. And I ran them by George and he was gracious enough to say that sounded good. The first is, what do we know about how it works? Uh, the second is, there are some people, and I don't know all the details, who are claiming it's not good to breathe Brown's gas or Aquacure in particular. And is there any, why do they say that? Or what's, uh, and is there any truth to that? The third is, is uh, we've also seen some good things with chlorine dioxide and ozone and uh, people are reporting that. So are those, is it compatible with the Aquacure or not? And if it's not, that's fine. Um, people can choose, I guess, or maybe there's, you have more to say about the whole thing. Then there's just questions on how do people use it? You know, do they do it 10 minutes a day? Do they do it, breathe it, uh, whatever. And then of course people ask, how do I maintain it? Do I clean it? Do I not clean it? Which part do I clean? How often do I clean it? That sort of thing. So if we can get through that, that would be great. And again, thanks, George, for joining us. And hopefully we'll uh, clear all this up as best we can. And uh, it, But it's been really amazing what some of the things we've heard, you know, just... Uh, we even showed a video of a woman who who could hardly walk, and after three weeks of uh, breathing the Brown's gas, she was walking fairly normal. So that was one, and that's not that atypical. So something good is going on, and we just want to find out more about what this is about. So again, welcome, and I'm going to just like always turn the floor over to you and just ask questions as it comes up. I am so happy to be back and um and grateful uh and an honor i i i read i see you all over the internet and <laughs> just just being in the same room with you essentially is just amazing i am i'm grateful that this this even just happened just between you and i okay yeah all right we'll start with a review of how it works yeah um 
62% of our body is hydrogen, 24% carb, uh, sorry, oxygen, 12% carbon, and 2% everything else. Hydrogen is our major macronutrient and is going to be mentioned again and again here as we, as we proceed, because we can't do anything without hydrogen. Our bodies are mostly hydrogen. We at least need hydrogen. And those people that don't want to use Brown's gas, uh, which is a, the major part of Brown's gas is hydrogen. So everything that hydrogen can do, Brown's gas can do better. But we'll get to that in just a minute. But people, if they don't want to use the AquaCure, should be using at least some form of uh, hydrogen supplementation because our gut microbiome, where we normally should be getting our, hydro our hydrogen from, we eat a hydrocarbon food and our microbiome breaks off the carbons from the hydrogens and our hydrogen goes into our bloodstream through our intestines, usually about at the colon level, just before it exits our body. And uh, a quick little uh, aside, if you have stinky farts, you are not digesting your food properly, your farts should be clean smelling because that's hydrogen, it doesn't smell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just a, just a kind of a little aside thing. But nevertheless, we need the hydrogen. Okay. So how it works, uh, the machine itself splits water into hydrogen and oxygen, and, and virtually all electrolysis machines do that. There's, different, there's nine different modalities that I know of to get hydrogen into your body, and I have uh, a page on my website that has those all listed and kind of evaluated so people can make an informed decision as how they would like to supplement with their hydrogen. And uh, so that's one thing. If you in all of this that we're talking about today, if people have any questions or want to reference any of the uh, resources, you just go to uh, eagle-research.life or the aquacure.life uh, website and use the contact us to email me and ask your questions. I answer all emails. It, it takes a while sometimes, but I answer all emails. Great. And I direct you to anything that you don't see there or you can't find there. Okay. That's in great. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I am actually inhaling Brown's gas as we speak here. So uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. I often uh, start an uh, interview like this with uh, without the cannulas on, and then put them on as I. But I've I've been up since three thirty this morning and and uh, doing stuff on the computer. So that I just I just put it on. It keeps me alert. I don't drink any coffee or anything like that. I just inhale the Brown's gas. Okay. So we need our hydrogen. We're, we can get it from different kinds of machines and, and modalities. I prefer... And, and we and, normally get it through, through breakdown of hydrocar food, basically. Exactly. Yeah. That's how we should get it. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not getting it like we should. Some people more than others. There was a Japanese study that uh, studied... Uh, they, they took two groups of people, uh, families, one that lived over 100 years on average and one that, that died somewhere over about 50 in their 50s on average. And they, um, and they found the common denominator between the two groups was that the longer lived ones that, that stayed healthy and lived longer had excess hydrogen coming out their breath. And that's what happens. That's why you can never get an overload or too much hydrogen because as soon as the blood is saturated, like carbon dioxide, you just exhale the excess. So yeah. the people whose digestive systems were making lots of hydrogen lived longer and healthier than the people who didn't. This is just, the, and there's lots of rodent studies and such on that as well. Okay. So, so presumably need, it's like microbiome issues, you know, antibiotics and glyphosate and bad food and all that. Yeah. That's exactly right. The, the, yeah. the artificial sweeteners, all yeah. these different chemicals that they've decimated, especially you think about antibiotics, they kill the yeah. good bacteria along with the bad bacteria or right. microbiome kind of thing. And, and so then, yes, you get rid of it. 
first of all, antibiotics are great, wonderful invention, but there is a side effect where if you don't replenish the microbiome, you, uh, you end up with a long-term health issue where you go with essentially autoimmune diseases and all kinds of things that we're seeing now today, uh, now that antibiotics have been way overused, unfortunately. Yeah. So the, um, the it works, uh, brown, uh, hydrogen works, and, and when I say that, I mean Brown's gas as well, by giving a person supplemental hydrogen, which essentially bypasses the digestive system. You can get it directly into you. It is the actual hydrogen that your body uses and does use. So then you get the nutrition you need, desperately need to reestablish your regeneration system, your immune systems, your organ functions, uh, even just how your blood flows in, in your uh, arteries, capillaries, and veins. So, and, and you are very much aware of, of all of that. Okay. Yeah. So then we get to the Brown's gas. Why is Brown's gas better than just plain hydrogen? So in other words, let, let's just stop there and recap. So uh, there is abundant evidence that hydrogen is a underutilized nutrient for regeneration. And it's, you know, something that we should normally get through our food, but because of various reasons, we don't. And therefore, using some sort of extra or supplemental hydrogen is a good strategy for regeneration and longevity and promoting good health. That's basically, got it. <laughs> got it. Okay, good recap. And people okay. can go to my YouTube channel and see the uh, picture of me when I first inhaled Brown's gas in March of 2016. And you can look at me now, just compare the two videos together and you'll, and you'll see uh, that my body has rejuvenated. And yeah. how many 65-year-old men do you know start working at 3.30 in the, in the morning and work often until 8 p.m. at night? Five, I, I usually have to quit working at 5, but I'm awake till uh, 8 or so because my wife, she wants to spend time with me, if you could believe that. I, I, yeah. I really like that. Okay, so anyway, we spend some time in the evening together and decompress and all that. So uh, how many 65-year-old men do you know every day, seven days a week, pretty much, uh, has that kind of a work schedule? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, and and I'm effective all during that time. It's not like I'm uh, dragging or anything like that. Okay, so we're it does well. I can uh, personally testify, and there are many ten. There's a couple tens of thousands of uh, machines out there, and the and the testimonials I get back virtually every day are essentially some of them are just that they got better energy, but many of them are like what you talked about with the lady that that got up and was walking. Um, lots of Parkinson's, all different kinds of uh, autoimmune diseases, uh, but even simple things. And if you, again, if you go to the aquacure.life website, you'll see a, a fairly extensive list of things that happened to me. And I didn't expect it. I didn't inhale Brown's gas to start with for health benefit. I inhaled it because my customers who were bubbling uh, gas in water asked me if they could inhale the gas. And I don't recommend anything until I've tried it myself. So yeah. from 2005 to 2007, I inhaled, no, sorry, no, 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 that was the drinking of the water. Uh, from March of 2016 till about uh, June or July of 2016, I inhaled the gas and, and, and had definite health benefits and no, no ill benefits. In fact, that's one of the things that, that is universally noted is there's pretty much no negative side effects for inhaling or using the uh, hydrogen, various hydrogen modalities unless there's something else in there that causes it. Like if people are using uh, 
fluoridated or chlorine water, then you yeah. can end up with uh, chlorine gas if you're electrolyzing that sort of thing. So always use distilled water, as pure water as you can. Okay, so uh, why do you have Brown's gas over uh, straight hydrogen? The, the first thing has to do with the extra ingredient that Brown's gas has in it that we call electrically expanded water. It's the fourth state of matter. You've got solid, which is ice, liquid, which is water, uh, gas, which is usually water vapor or steam, and then a plasma form of water, which is a negatively charged or electron rich form of, uh, of water. It's still water. And what has happened is the water has soaked up electrons until it's become a gaseous form of water that is not water vapor or steam. If you cool it, it will not condense. But if you super cool it, it will. But I'm just saying normal ambient uh, temperatures. And this is different from what people call structured or easy water or coherent water. Correct. Now the easy- this Maybe I even call, a fifth phase. Yeah, that is a fifth phase, if you will. And, and Joe Pollock and I have uh, had quite a bit of uh, discussion on this. He agrees that my concept of easy gel is more accurate than calling it easy water. Yeah. Because it's in between a solid and a liquid, it's a gel. And it actually isn't water. The gel is H3O2 negative. It's a negative yeah. charged gel that spontaneously forms against a hydrophilic surface uh, and from water. And, and it gets thicker if, it, if there's some radiant energy around, infrared in particular. But also, if there is in the solution in the electrically expanded water. So actual water, which is electron rich, if you introduce that into a water chamber that has that, uh, in these cases, using nafion it, um, yeah. uh, to uh, get the easy gel to form, they find that the if you put in hydrogen, nothing happens. Put in oxygen, nothing happens. Put in Brown's gas, and the gel at least doubles and sometimes expands a hundred times more than than uh, normal, if you will. So, so that means that this plasma state of water acts as a catalyst for forming the e increasing the easy water, the easy gel phase. Exactly. And that's yeah. one of the things it does. And I know that you know how much that improves the circulatory system. Yes. The other thing is that these electrons are absolutely vital because you, when people are ill, they've usually used up their energy reserves and or their energy generation systems have become compromised. Yeah. So they need the energy to heal. Hydrogen is a building block. It's absolutely neutral. It does nothing. It's just nutrition. It needs intelligence and energy to put it in place. The body is intelligent. The body knows what to do to heal itself, but it also needs the energy. So when you give it these bioavailable electrons, and there's many ways of getting bioavailable electrons into the body. There's various... Uh, um, grounding and tens and all kinds of things that a person can do. But the Brown's gas has it in it. So when you're inhaling the hydrogen, you're also inhaling this essentially energy that is completely and immediately bioavailable and does things like stops oxidative cascade. It stops, stops the, uh, it, it, it takes care of the bad free radicals. Yeah. So all of these things happen inside the body and immediately have some effect. And then over time, more and more effect. Even now, even, even all these years after I started inhaling, I'm still noticing health gains. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> so gradually my body has been, uh, if not aging in reverse, at least stopped major portion of what we think of as aging effects. And so this is why you would want Brown's gas over just straight hydrogen. So now we'll get to 
uh, these these uh, fear mongers out there that talk about things like lie. Okay. Yeah. To make Brown's gas, you have to have a special type of electrolyzer that does not have a membrane in the middle between the anode and cathode. The cathode makes hydrogen, the anode makes oxygen, and if there's no membrane in the middle, then then as the electrons go on what's called an electron bridge between the uh, cathode and the anode, it, that's where you start stuffing the electrons into the water molecules. So these water molecules have not split. They are not hydrogen, they are not oxygen, they are a third gas, electrically expanded water, that forms right out of the fluid itself. So these three gases go out the same hose, called single ducted gas, is what William Rhodes uh, in the early 60s uh, called it. And he's the original one that made what we now call Brown's gas. So in any case, this third gas is only forms if there's no membrane. If there's a membrane in the middle, then you get your hydrogen and your oxygen each out their own hose and recombining them outside the electrolyzer does not make Brown's gas. There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about that. You can't just mix a stoichiometric mixture of hydrogen and oxygen, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, and get the uh, uh, Brown's gas. It has to have this electrically expanded water in it. And in order to do that, you have to have no membrane. But all electrolyzers require a catalyst. And I've, I've tested, now, the, the one that they're using out there to make pure hydrogen and oxygen mostly is what they call PEM-SPE catalyst. And essentially, it's a solid uh, uh, membrane, which uh, is a solid electrolyte, if you will. Okay. So uh, in other words, let me stop you there just to clarify for myself and people. So there is a process using a membrane where you can make pure hydrogen gas and oxygen gas and keep them separate and not form this extended plasma phase of water. And then you could have you could breathe the hydrogen gas, or I presumably you could breathe the oxygen gas. And that's a different process than what you're doing because you want that uh, expanded water, plasma water phase in addition. Right. Is that good. it? That's a that's a good synopsis, yes. Got it, okay. okay. So uh, so the catalyst that we decided to use, uh, and and by the way, you can have uh, lye as a catalyst in uh, in ones that have a membrane as well. In the traditional Faraday electrolyzers, that's what they did before the solid membranes were formed, the solid catalyst. So in any case, the, uh, the I experimented with literally thousands. I spent years experimenting, trying to find, first of all, if there was any way I could make Brown's gas without using a catalyst of all, just, just using pure water. Uh, and I couldn't. I did make a very efficient water heater though. <laughs> okay, so back to, those are side effects of uh, research. You, you, you're aware of yeah. that. So in any case, the um, I decided I had to use a catalyst. So I, I tested all different- By the way, how would you know that you had Brown's gas or not? Is there a measurement that you can do? That's a, what you're meaning is the electrically expanded water in the Brown's yeah. gas. How is it different? My initial experiments were just simply efficiency experiments. I didn't even know that I was making electrically expanded water. What I, what I knew was that I was making too much gas. If you look at the Faraday equations, you, you can say for a certain amount of amperage through the fluid, you should get a certain amount of water splitting, which makes a certain amount of gas, an electric moles of gas. Yeah. And, and my experiments were getting up to 130% efficiency. And of course, there's no such thing as 130% efficiency so yeah. something else was happening and that's that's 
I didn't know what, and I had some theories, but it wasn't until 1996 that I actually saw it being produced because I made transparent electrolyzers so I could look inside and see what was happening. Usually they're made of steel or plastic or whatever the case may be, you can't see. So in any case, I, I saw this gas forming right out of the middle of the, elect, uh, of the electrolyte, uh, the catalyst solution in between the plates. And I said, what the heck? And, and then went from there and, and discovered that it was in fact this third gas, which we're, we're finding uh, with mass spectrometry, for example. What we do is we dry the gas, and then we can see that the uh, the gas is the, the water is still there. It's a yeah. dry gas. There's no humidity in it, but you still have water vapor, uh, not vapor, water H two O. Okay, so the um, that's one way. There's there's other anecdotal ways that, that we're discovering as well, and and of course trying to find instrumentation that will measure it directly. Now yeah. there's various things that we can find in water. For example, if you bubble hydrogen in water. Uh, the ORP will rise, go negative a little bit, but, but not very far. But if you bubble the uh, uh, water, same water with the Brown's gas, the ORP will will dive negative big time. And we're talking distilled water as well. We're not not putting in any minerals or, or additives of any kind besides the Brown's gas. So in this case, the, we're showing that the water gets charged with these electrons uh, better yep. with the ORP. Okay, so the um, getting back to his lysate. After, after finding all of these or, or researching with all of these different electrolyte, uh, electrolytes and concentrations, we found that uh, the most practical was lye. And lye, it's, uh, and so that's why we chose it. Now, is it safe? Why is it safe? Well, first of all, you need the catalyst. Second of all, I, I tested all these concentrations. Third, I've been working with lye since I was a child. Back on the ranch cleaning uh, medical, or sorry, Milk, I'm, I'm talking to a, a doctor, so I medical. Yeah. Anyway, milk equipment, and they still do that today in all the dairies and everything. They clean the equipment, the food processing equipment with lye solution. And uh, I remember one time I, I had a, um, a big chamber uh, burst and, and actually pour lye onto me. Okay, I was soaked with 50% lye solution. In the aquacure, we're using a 5% lye solution. I was soaked with a 50% lye solution. And it was about 15 minutes before I could get to where I could take my clothes off and shower. And even though essentially from the waist down, I was I, it was like I was wading in water. It was completely soaked. Even the sensitive parts had no rash or any kind of damage or anything like that. Yeah. These movies where you see they they uh, using lye supposedly to dissolve bodies. No, they don't. I was if you if you want to dissolve the horn buds on uh, small animals, goats and and cattle and stuff. You don't use lye, you use potassium hydroxide. Yeah. That'll do the job. But uh, but sodium hydroxide, it's it's almost as innocuous as, as salt. Now, obviously, you don't want to eat it directly like you would you could possibly with sodium chloride, uh, which is salt, table salt. But when you think about it uh, chemically, a little bit of lye in the water is actually healthy, because when you break the lye down, the you, like if you break down sodium. Uh, chloride, you get the sodium, but then you've got the chlorine to get your body has to deal with. Whereas lye is sodium hydroxide, NaOH. So you get yeah. the sodium. And what's the other thing? You just get the oxygen hydrogen kind of thing. You've got, yeah. there's, there's no uh, uh, bad, bad side effects. And then you get into the, the situation where 
uh, people are usually eating or drinking lye anyway without even knowing it. If they, uh, if they drink municipal water, the, the uh, municipalities put lye in the water to neutralize the acids so that their pipes don't uh, corrode yeah. all, all out. And so that's, it's a pH balancer. It's commonly right. used. Uh, if they have eaten a pretzel, pretzels are glazed with lye. There's this just, uh, if you go to my website, eagle-research.com and research is life safe, or even just search online for eagle-research is life safe, you'll find that page. Yeah. And it have a long list of why lie is not the big monster that uh, I'm going to say my competition. <laughs> People who are vested in selling hydrogen only machines are doing their dangdest to make sure that people uh, don't are scared of brown's gas. And one of the ways they make scared of brown's gas is talking about the lie. So these are the these are the reasons. Uh, just in a quick nutshell, nutshell, and where to go to find the resources that that say that lie is not the the monster that and and to be scared of that people are thinking of it is. And I, so their argument is that uh, you're because you're using lie as the catalyst that they're therefore you're breathing lie and that's going to do some something negative to your lungs. That's the argument. Right. And I and and thanks for pointing that out. We have spectrographic analysis of the Brown's gas, and there's no lie in the in the gas that you're inhaling. Yeah, the lie is is a catalyst. It stays in the machine. It's supposed to stay in the machine, and the right. only a tiny minuscule amount of lie actually comes out of the machine. If you were if you were running an aquacure for ten years at a hundred percent, the the amount of lie that would come out of with the gas would would be less than an ounce in in all of that time. And what happens is, and the only way the lye gets out of the machine is riding out on the water moisture. And so there's teeny, teeny little drops that you can't even see, you'd have to have a microscope that managed to get out of the um, um, machine with the gas itself, get trapped in what we call the humidifier, the first little bubbler that we yeah. have. So that, and we'll get to back to that in just a little bit and that's why you want to, but anyway, these teeny, teeny, teeny little water droplets that may have a little tiny bit of lye in them because they're water, the gas itself is always pure. There's never any uh, lie yeah. in the actual gas, but these teeny little water droplets get trapped in the humidifier. And then the gas coming out of the humidifier is absolutely clean and pure and inhalable. Uh, however, just for safety, because I do double redundant safety, no matter what, I also go through the drinking water jar before I inhale. So yeah. you're going through two containers before you inhale. People adding additional humidifiers, like the, the fear mongers out there say, oh, you, you better add more, 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 or great big humidifiers. There's ones out there that are, are using uh, uh, bubblers that, that take like half a gallon. And that's just all <laughs> overkill. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Right. But, but it doesn't do any better either. So there's a little tiny humidifier does the job quite nicely. And got then you've got the drinking water bubbler. And actually I like, if a little tiny bit of lye got into the drinking water, uh, I, I actually like that because then it actually is a little more healthy than just the pure water. So I'm All never right. concerned with a little tiny bit going getting in there. Usually nothing is. If they test the water, it isn't it, it isn't there. You can test it with uh, pH meters or uh, TDS meters, total dissolved solid. Both of those will accurately tell you if there's any lye in there. But your very best test to know if there's uh, too much, like it's going to be a problem, is your nose. And your taste buds. 
your nose will smell. If, if there's a lye solution that you shouldn't be drinking, uh, it'll smell skunky and it'll taste funky. And that's well beyond or well before, excuse me, the point where the lye would ever do you any damage. Yeah. So, so there's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So on to, are, are we good with that? We can go. Yep, we're good with that. Oxidative compatibility. There's several different oxygen uh, therapies out there that are excellent. Every, every therapy has its, uh, and modality has its uh, help. And I'm, I'm going to roll my eyes and call this, uh, um, like when it, some of these oxidative therapies, like ozone, I call poor man's chemo. Okay. Now that may not be a way of looking at it that's accurate, but that's the way I look at it. Because what it does is stress the body, doing extra oxidative stress on the body. And there are pathogens and, uh, and cells and stuff that are destroyed by this extra oxygen. So it's a very valid therapy for a lot of different things. And, uh, and then you get into the MMS and CDS and, and uh, uh, all, all these other, like even um, what do they call it, where you pressurize uh, in, a, in a chamber. Hyperbaric, yeah. Hyperbaric uh, oxygen therapies and things like that. Yes, all of these are really good to, uh, to get some oxygen into the tissues and take care of all those kind of things. But then you end up with the oxidative stress. And now along comes the hydrogen. The hydrogen eliminates oxidative stress. So I would always do the uh, oxidative therapies first, and then the hydrogen second is the way that I would do it because, and, and give it some time to work. Like you don't want to do, you don't want to do them together because they literally cancel each other. The oxygen uh -huh. and hydrogen combine and make water. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, except that you're not getting the advantages of either modality. Got it. Yeah. So, but there may be times when that is applicable. A lot of this is just, we're just learning and, and the best way is to just try. See, see yeah. what works. Okay. So we're back to the oxidative therapies. They're really good. Some of them are absolutely amazing. They should definitely be used by the mainstream uh, medical community. It's just a, my unfortunate uh, conclusion that the, the mainstream uh, med medicine these days is more about um, mitigating symptoms than actually healing disease. And, yeah. I, and I'm very sorry to see that. I wish it could be different. I don't know what I can do to make it different other than what I'm doing right now. Just trying. <laughs> I wouldn't, it's not, not your problem really, but in some ways it's all our problems, but yeah. Okay. So definitely the oxidative therapies uh, for, for whatever it is that uh, ails you kind of thing. And then uh, do the oxidative. So the way I would look at the oxidative therapies then is they stimulate respiration and help you clear out debris, uh, which is, I to me, misinterpreted as infections, you know, bacteria living off dead tissue. You get rid of the dead tissue, then the bacteria do just go back to doing what they're supposed to do. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, yeah. And, and that brings us to the then once you've cleared out the dead tissue then you can rejuvenate healthy tissue which is more the hydrogen part yes i have a a little bit of a gross uh, story just quickly tell that that demonstrates this terrain versus germ theory uh thing uh people know that flies don't make poop uh flies poop is food to flies and and then they lay their eggs in the maggots form and then they, the, yeah. uh, the maggots eat the poop and, and this is a biological natural of nature. Okay, yeah. 
we we had a cow i told you i grew up on a cattle ranch that was let out onto the range i don't know why with a chain around her neck she was a 4-h cow and they hadn't taken the chain off i don't know why they didn't but the cow grew in a calf grew into a cow and the chain got embedded into her neck wow the uh, and here i come along on my horse and i rope the cow and i and i i pull the chain out of the out of cut the chain off and pull it out of her neck and there's an open wound and that wound healed it had a scar but it healed naturally on the range no antibiotics nothing what had happened was while the wound because it was right in the skin right in the muscle and there was a lot of dead tissue and it was full of maggots yeah this is, this is a gross part but it's actually amazing these maggots were eating all of the dead bit flesh yeah and they kept, they kept the gangrene away they kept it from and and they used to do this in, in yeah they used maggot better. therapy absolutely exactly. and it and it works so the maggots ate the dead flesh and then even after the chain was gone and the and the skin was healing the maggots kept the infection away the the cow healed without any other issue so that's yeah. terrain. the terrain uh the if you make a terrain that is uh that the that the pathogens like they will flourish and eat whatever happens to be there and right and you get rid of that just like you were saying get rid of the dead flesh or the or the stuff that's not supposed to be there and away you go the oxidative therapies also tend to help get rid of um um uh what are they chelating uh of, of uh things heavy that are metals heavy metals and such because they oxidate it and then the body can essentially grab onto it and get rid yeah. of it instead of storing it and stuff so there's a lot of good things about oxidative therapies. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. So then but, so it sounds like you do that and then you regenerate. And then if you don't need to, if you don't have dead stuff that needs to be gotten rid of, you don't need to go back to the oxidative. You just do Brown's gas for a while and you keep regenerating. And then maybe a short periods of breaking stuff down, then you'd stop the Brown's gas for a week or so and then get back to it. Well, we're we're talking only hours difference that a person generally has to do. Like if you do your oxidative yeah. therapy and wait, I'd say according to Jim Humble's work, uh, maybe three hours, two or three hours between, and then and then let the body rebuild itself. It's like when you're doing the exercise, you got to yeah. you doing your thing. You want to give yourself time to. Uh, no, it doesn't usually take days, two or three days, like with a heavy exercise. But with the uh, oxidative uh, thing, it it should be just a few hours for the most got part. It. But again, experimentation. Sometimes some things you might want it to last longer for the body to do its thing yeah. and then bring in the hydrogen. But the hydrogen is food and, and, it's, and it's food that you can't get by just inhaling like oxygen. Like usually you could hyperventilate and really oxidate, oxygenate your body, right? So there's, there's way, lots of ways of getting the oxygen in there. The CDS and MMS tend to give it a charged oxygen though you're getting those extra electrons in there it's not just like hyperventilating so there's yeah. differences in the in the uh, oxidative therapies but then you come along with the uh, hydrogen and it, it's the building blocks that the body needs and especially if you got your energy in there so we were talking brown's gas then the body can heal and it, it heals better and faster like any wound heals about three times faster and burns heal without scars that sort of thing when people are doing the brown's gas therapy so the, yes, it 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 isn't directly compatible, but it is definitely something a person yeah, wants to alternating. Using. Yes, exactly, exactly. Got it. Okay. Okay. How so to use it? How to use it? We're on to number four. <laughs> okay. I call. I have four protocols. There's two external and two internal protocols. You see me inhaling the gas, so that's 
one of the internal. I can also put the gas in a, in a bag on my arm, for example, if I had carpal tunnel syndrome, and put the gas in the bag or with a cup applicator or something like that on a spot. If somebody has an aged spot or a burn or something like that, and they're just wanting to spot treat. Um, the, there have been even people who put a whole bag on and just do their whole body with a bag. I, I generally don't recommend that because the Brown's gas is a mixture of hydrogen and oxygen in a stoichiometric mixture, which is explosive. So you get a great big explosive bag around your body. It's not necessarily the best thing. Whereas people, if, it, if it's on an arm or, or leg, perhaps it pops like a balloon. So if you do have a bag, and your whole body or whatever bag you're using, use very thin plastic so that it just expands and, and it, with the explosion and then there's very little pressure and it's like a very loud balloon pop and, it, and that keep it safe. So you've got your internal where you're inhaling and as far as the safety goes and the, in, and the inhalation, you want to not be breathing an explosive mixture. And the, and the AquaCure is specifically set up so you can adjust the gas volume so that you're you have the right amount of hydrogen going in for your body size, for your right. lung, for your lungs. So what's happening is when you inhale, 90, 90 something percent, 97% of the gas that you're inhaling has to be the air and 3%, two or 3% has to be the Brown's gas. So at that point, you've got 2% Brown's gas in your inhaled mixture because 1% is oxygen and 2% of the gas you're inhaling is, or, or, one of three is the oxygen and two of three is the hydrogen. So with the 3% gas, you're inhaling a 2% hydrogen mixture and that is safe. Anything under 4.7% uh, in your inhaled breath is safe. And all the scientific experiments are doing out there, there's thousands of them now. Uh, since 2007, things really started to pick up with hydrogen for health. Even though hydrogen for health was experimented with on, I saw an, art, uh, uh, an article on it and I wish I'd just framed that thing <laughs> over 200 years ago. They, wow. they commented on using hydrogen for health, but it kind of got forgotten, left aside until very recently. Okay, now, now thousands of scientists around the world are, are experimenting on this. The, uh, the Brown's gas was actually the leading um, uh, therapy that was used in China for this latest uh, couple year pandemic thing that was going on. So there, there's a huge number of uses, especially in Asia. They're way ahead of us over in Asia on this, way ahead in, in all the Asian countries uh, using hydrogen for health and then Brown's gas specifically for that extra effect. And so you you basically, the, you set the percentage on the machine based on your body size and and to, mat, to essentially match your body size. Right. Now I have the math in there for people who want to do the math and check my chart. But on page 26 of the operation manual, I have a chart that says, okay, if you're 180 pounds, you will be inhaling, I think it's somewhere around 36% on the machine. So 36% of the gas production of the machine is the right amount of gas coming out. It also gives in the chart the, how much gas that is um, for my body size, for example. So yeah. I, I weigh about 200, I, so I inhale it around uh, um, 38%. So I'm inhaling 38% gas right now. 38% of my machine uh, is set on, um, my machine is set at 38% gas production instead of 100%. All external uses you can set at 100% because you, you wanna get as much therapeutic gas as possible. Right. Inhaling for safety, I, I maintain around the 2% and in, in 15 minutes, your body, your blood at 2% is saturated. 
we've we've measured this with uh, dark field microscopes and things like that so we can see that the effect is happening and the effect is maximized somewhere between 10 and 15 per, uh, minutes depending on the person even at two percent so there's no reason to inhale more than 4.7 percent there's no reason to inhale more than two percent um, because then once the blood is saturated you're exhaling any excess so is there so, any reason to do it more than 15 minutes then oh absolutely yes now there are some therapy or some ailments that respond quicker to a lot of short bursts like uh, do it 15 percent three or four or five times a day but most of the ailments respond to longer better than more in other words more as in, in more than two percent doesn't really do anything for anybody anytime because all that's happening is you're exhaling any excess that would be there anyway and With, when you but when you say two percent that's not what you see on the machine the machine says 40 percent Correct, or 38 or 40. I, I usually send them out at 40%, set from the factory at 40%. Because yeah. the machine is saying 4%, but that means that an adult-sized male like myself would be inhaling a 2% mixture. Essentially, right. I'm inhaling at the 38 or 40%. Right, so, the machine yeah. says 38%, but you're inhaling 2%. Correct. Two, yes. So so there's two two different gases coming to my body. There's the, the inhalation, the normal inhalation of oxygen that my body is doing, and then I'm adding a little bit of gas to that. And that little bit of gas is 2% when the when the gas is being 2% uh, of my entire inhalation. Right. That's why I say the 2%. It has to do with me more than the machine. Yeah. Now, for the machine to produce enough gas to be that 2%, uh, that's 38% uh, setting. Yeah. For me. Okay. Got it. If I was an infant, uh, I may be down at 5% or 7% or something. On the and, machine. On the machine. Exactly. Yeah. And if I was a very large man, three or 400 pounds, I may be up at the uh, 50, 60% or something like that in yeah. the machine. So there, there are some therapies that a person wants to push the edge, push it. And I, and I hesitate to say this, because I, I like to say, don't do this at home, uh, where you want more of that electrically expanded water. So at that point, I would say you could still even double the, uh, the, the recommended 2% to go to the 4%. It's not the hydrogen that is the additional thing that you're looking for. You're looking for the additional electrically expanded yeah. water, that electric energy for therapeutic benefit. But for most people, like we've had many Parkinson's people, lupus, uh, um, all, all of these, a lot of the auto, autoimmune diseases and stuff, what they do is they have the, um, they inhale for long hours, like they sleep with it. Or like me, I'm sitting at the computer for hours at a time, I'm inhaling as much as 12 hours a day, at least eight hours a day, I'm inhaling, and then uh, as much as 12 hours a day. And, and I'm still finding health benefits even from that, even though I consider myself to be a relatively healthy person. And, and, and the, the part that you're getting is not hydrogen because that's you're already saturated, but the expanded water part. Uh, correct. No, because even, even a 1% mixture, uh, so I could turn it down to uh, say 16 or 17%, uh, inhaling what I'm doing once my blood is saturated, and that will maintain saturation with the hydrogen. Got but it. I'm getting less of the electrically expanded water. So, so you're you're correct there. Okay, so we have our inhalation protocol. We have our external protocol. So if you have a burn or carpal tunnel or anything where you're where you're bagging on the outside, and then you have your two drinking protocol, your two water protocols. You've got your drinking protocol because. <laughs> you do need water 
and the extra electrons and stuff that are put in the water are beneficial at hydrogen and electrons. But inhaling 12 seconds with the, with the cannulas at 2% gives you the same amount of uh, hydrogen that you would get in, the, in, a, in drinking a liter of uh, hydrogen-rich water. So at 1.6 parts per million. So you're, you're, uh, you, you don't get very much hydrogen in the water, but that between the electrically expanded water, uh, the ORP, the hydrogen, this is probably one of the most beneficial or, or therapeutic healthful waters on the planet. When they measure this against Lord's water or any of the healing springs, they, everything that they think is good about that water is accent, accentuated and, and except the minerals contained in the brown's gas water. Right. So, so in other words, there's good reason to use the bubbled water as drinking water, even yes. though it's not going to give you much hydrogen, especially if you breathe it. That's correct. That's Got correct. It. And, and quite frankly, and this is a warning that I put out to people, when I'm inhaling for long periods of time, I don't get thirsty. My yeah. thirst function, whatever it is that causes you to get to feel thirsty, doesn't happen. So you have to you have to remember mem remember to drink because if you really do need that uh, liter at least a liter or two of uh, water every day for an adult, and and there's lots of places online where you can look and see how much water you need. You don't need more than that with the bubbled water, but you at least need that. And since my thirst mechanism gets kind of uh, shut off when I'm inhaling, I'll notice. If I didn't drink enough for a day or something, my lips will start to crack and, and I'll get other symptoms of dehydration, de wow. uh, liquid dehydration. And I'll think, oh, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> I got to go make myself some water and, uh, and drink it. So, it. all right. So, so this is the uh, drinking protocol. And then you can use like uh, there, there's been testimonials, uh, many of them, for example, skin cancer, melanoma. Where people put the bubbled water on 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 it with a dressing and just kept rewetting the dressing, and in about three weeks' time the melanoma is gone. Got it. Yes. So, so and you don't have to use distilled water as the base for the drinking water. You do if you're going to breathe it, but if you want to put some other water, you could bubble the the Brown's gas into that water and drink it. And I, then if I, you're going to breathe it, you would change to distilled water. I I. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to agree with that you'd rather people do distilled water i'd rather people do distilled water i and but i'll make the provisio that generally speaking you can use virtually any water in there that you consider healthful to drink yeah and you can put minerals in there if you consider them to be healthful for your body that, that you need uh and bubble it and it'll be fine when you bubble with the brown's gas though two things happen first of all your taste buds get accentuated. So you can taste things that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily have been able to taste. And secondly, the, uh, the, the gas may change things a little bit, so it makes your water taste bad. So when you are drinking, for example, Aquafina, which is uh, RO water, and it's relatively pure uh, and, and has no minerals in it, and you bubble it with the Brown's gas, it, tastes, it, it has a smooth feel and no taste. It's, yeah. it's beautiful drinking water. Uh, I know if you try to drink distilled water without bubbling it, it feels hard and, and your throat doesn't want to really drink it. But as soon as you bubble it with the Brown's gas, it's smooth and, and your body just wants it. Okay. Yeah. So getting back to the, um, 
um, Dasani, like, so Aquafina is reverse osmosis, Dasani is reverse osmosis, and then they add minerals, okay? And when you when you bubble that water with the brown's gas, it will taste bad. You wow. won't you won't want to drink it. So this is a thing that you can do experimentally. Like if you've got nice uh, uh, spring water or uh, or water that you think is uh, healthy to drink, yes, you can put it in the drinking water jar. Don't put it in the humidifier. Yeah, it, right. We need as pure water as possible there to grab those little tiny microscopic droplets of water that are coming out with the brown's gas. But in the in the drinking water jar. I, I do say, I don't recommend, but I do say you can put whatever water you think is the healthful to drink in there and, and it'll be okay. But then when, you, if you're going to breathe, you would put distilled water in that bubble jar. I, I would always recommend distilled water anyway. If there's not too much impurities in the uh, distilled, in the uh, other water, there's a lot of people that uh, inhale with other spring water and and yeah and but i would i would do like the that. distilled water if you're gonna would, if you're yeah, ever gonna every water that you breathe i think should be distilled water that's what I, makes yeah. sense i i would i would really agree with that yeah okay, <laughs> okay. then finally so you get uh you're doing it and uh the refill light comes on and then the refill light doesn't go on when you refill it it doesn't go off so how often do you clean it? How do you clean it? Uh, or is that just something we have to look up online? No, no, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, okay, so we- And what we does it mean when that refill light doesn't go off when you refill it? Okay, I'll, I'll get back to that. I just wanted to say about the protocols. The two internal protocols that you do, uh, the drinking and the inhalation, uh, your body decides what it heals. So if you have arthritis in your hand, for example, uh, your body will maybe eventually get to it, but it might be putting the hydrogen and the energy toward your brain or your heart or, or yeah. arteries or something like that. When you do the external protocols, then you are deciding where the gas goes and the healing capability. Okay, so I'm just finishing off that. Okay, back to maintenance. What we're looking at for maintenance is after you do the startup, which you should get the instructions from us, there, there's an email that we send out called e need to know when you buy it and everything. And, and, there's, and you can always call or excuse me, email and, uh, and ask and, you, and we can do that. Okay, uh, send you the instructions, all the maintenance videos and, and uh, instruction manuals and that kind of thing. So getting back to the refill, when the refill light comes on, it needs water. You take the water from the humidifier and uh, suck it up with the syringe and, and squirt it into the machine through the check valve in the top of the uh, tower cap. Usually yep. it'll be about two, two and a half syringe bowls of water to take it from the um, um, yellow light coming on to full. And yep. you can theoretically put a little extra in there. You'll have to experiment to find out where your particular extra is. Uh, and, and that'll give you a little more runtime before it goes back to the yellow. You should always refill when the yellow light comes on. Doesn't have to be immediately. If you are uh, inhaling at night and it, the machine's running even in another room, because some people don't like the lights or the fan noise or something, and you run a long hose into where you're uh, uh, sleeping, then, and the light comes on, that's fine. It, just in the morning, you do the refill, the kind of thing, and that'll be fine. So the, because um, it, there is a little bit of leeway there. And and so when the yellow light comes on, that's the time to refill as soon as possible after that. 
It'll take two, two and a half uh, uh, syringe bowls out of the uh, um, humidifier. And then you dump the rest of the humidifier water and refill the entire humidifier with fresh distilled water. So you've got your maximum filtering uh, capability, uh, put it back together and you're good to go. So that's a general uh, maintenance as far as that's concerned. The drinking water jar should be changed out a couple of times a day because you're drinking the water. And that's an additional safety in that you're getting your uh, gas going through two water baths before it actually gets inhaled. Again, you're not inhaling any lye or uh, yeah. hexavalent chromium or uh, any of the other things that uh, chlorine, any of those things that the people are saying could possibly be in the Brown's gas. Because first of all, the only way you can get chlorine is if you put chlorinated water in the in the machine and then during the electrolysis process. And that would happen in any electrolyzer, including yeah. the regular hydrogen ones. Uh, so using distilled water prevents that kind of thing. So we're getting back to the maintenance. Um, then every, I, I say every hundred hours, but if you're uh, maintaining it properly, you can actually, you can go to the 200. And if you're noticing if there's very little sludge formation or anything, because you're keeping the liquid level high and, uh, and running at a, a lower percent for the most part, because you're inhaling or something, then uh, you can even stretch it further. Do the experimentation on your own machine. If, if you're seeing a lot of sludge, clean more often. If you're seeing uh, cloudiness happening in the site tube because of soap formation, then uh, clean out the, uh, use the hot water rinses to dissolve the soap which comes back to uh, why is there soap? <laughs> why is there soap in the machine? Well, if you get any kind of oil into the machine, usually with the water, and a lot of distilled water has uh, dish soaps or, uh, or uh, oils of various kinds, the oil combines with the lye to form soap. That's how soap has been formed for thousands of years. They yeah. Some sort of fat or oil mixture yeah. combined with the lye. So the uh, if that forms in the machine, then you want to clean that out relatively quickly, like at least at the hundred hour mark, so that uh, it keeps all the little orifices inside the machine clean. Because what you can see in the side tube, it's like looking into the eyes. The eyes kind of look into the body. Yeah. The side tube is like looking into the uh, into the machine. So you, if you're seeing that form there in the side tube, it's forming everywhere. So this is why we I recommended the hundred hour thing. Even though people can, if it isn't clouding up and you're and you're not using distilled water that has oils, and unfortunately a, a lot of distilled water when you're buying it from the stores and stuff does have oils in it, quite significant amounts in fact. Like because when you measure with a TDS tester, oil doesn't show up. It's not an ionizable uh -huh. uh, yeah, uh, yeah. material. So and the uh, plastics exude oils and. Yeah. There's, there's just various ways that oil can get into the distilled water. Distilled water is nature's most efficient solvent. It pretty much dissolves everything. Even if you put it in a gold jug, there'll be some gold particles in the water. So uh, distilled water, you just want to make sure there's as, as little oil as possible. I recommend people getting a home distiller. They're not expensive. And even the cheapest ones will do a fairly good job, especially if you throw away the first half a cup that comes out because that gets rid of all the pre-distillates uh, dist and, the, uh, and then uh, stop it before it's finished. So the tank still has water in it. So, because the tanks that run dry have vaporized or evaporated uh, 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 extra stuff that you don't necessarily want to have in your water as well. So that's a, a trick to uh, getting the purest distilled water. And the cleaning uh, step is the hot water step in the machine. Correct. So then, so then that 
we'll get to that now is where you take the tower cap off and you uh and, so you and, unscrew the tower cap correct with the big ring with the yeah. big ring on the on the tower cap so you're unscrewing it take off the tower cap the little white thing is still left behind the base of the union and then you dump out the lye solution into a, a stainless steel pot or a glass jar or something because you're going to save that and set it aside for the time being and then you rinse the uh, machine with as hot a tap water as you can get because hot water dissolves soap cold yeah. water even warm water really doesn't dissolve soap you need some heat and then that uh, dissolves it and then the water what i do is i tip the machine uh on its on its back and on its face very very slowly holding about 10 seconds at either side and then the um, so that the water gets a chance to run through all these little orifices inside the machine the hot water and you have to change the hot water out fairly often because it, it at least at first it cools really quickly because the hot water heats all the components inside and they cool it down right so the first couple of uh, uh, rinses you do really really quickly just to get the inside of the machine warm and then you could probably do it a couple of minutes longer, but you're doing this rinsing thing back and forth. Once the side two is all clear and the and little ball is floating nice, you're you're completely good to go. Obviously, by that time, all the sludge has been cleaned out of the machine, and it's it you're you're good to go. Uh, so that, that's like four or five different rinses with hot water, something like that. Usually, usually, and you don't want the water to be over 140 degrees Fahrenheit because the machine yeah. is. Uh, uh, designed to handle uh, really high temperatures you could get uh, failure of some of the glues and things like that so the uh but but hot tap water hot tap water is good doesn't doesn't go to 140 degrees yeah. but some people boil water in a pot uh yeah. and, and then just use a candy thermometer or something like that to make sure that the water is not only over is not over 140 degrees Fahrenheit I should I should <laughs> yeah. obviously it wouldn't be over 100 degrees centigrade or Celsius but we're talking Fahrenheit here. Okay, so the um, we're getting back to the, the electrolyte solution itself. Now, if you let it sit long enough, I used to recommend that people pour it through a, like a coffee filter or something, but I discovered the coffee filters were putting uh, impurities into there that I didn't wanna have in there. And it didn't really uh, uh, take out all the coloration anyway, the sludge formation, because it was such fine sludge that it would just go right through the coffee filter similar to uh, coffee, like yeah. coffee grounds go, not the grounds, but the coffee coloring. So in order to get a nice clear solution, and it'll be a little bit tinted yellow when the, uh, when the solution is properly um, um, conditioned. So don't, don't worry that it isn't transparent uh, white anymore. If it's a, got a yellow tinge, that's good. It's, it's more efficient than the original solution that you put in. So what I do is I have two solutions that I have with, with my machine. I have the, the solution that I normally uh, have sitting on the shelf and, and the sludge in it will have settled all the way to the bottom. Sometimes it takes two or three days because it's very, very fine uh, sludge in there. And then I just simply take the syringe with a, with a tube. I, have a, I send a tube with the machine so you can just simply put a tube on the end of the syringe and, and suck it out of there and then squirt it into the machine. So you just suck out the, the uh, clarified solution and, and put it into the machine. And then the solution that you poured out of the machine, you put that in a sealed jar. You can buy these uh, mason jars with, on Amazon and stuff with a plastic lid. A lot of grocery stores sell them, particularly around uh, canning time in the fall and stuff, but even usually. And so glass jar, plastic lid, set it on the shelf. Uh, the stuff will settle out. It'll be ready for the next time you do your maintenance rinse. 
So let me see if I, so when you poured the stuff out of the machine into a pot yes. and you let that settle for a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can leave it in the pot, but uh, I, I usually pour it into a glass jar. Into a glass jar. And that's what you put back into the machine when it settles. Right. Yes. You can do and that. That's better than making a whole new lye solution. Uh, yes. Two reasons why. Okay. So first, actually there's many more reasons than that, but two main reasons. Uh, first of all, I have two solutions. So the second, the first time I do the rinse, I would just put those in jars and set them on the shelf and make a new batch of lye solution anyway, and put into the machine. So then the next time I do a maintenance rinse, you're going to take and pour the, what's in the machine out into a pot, which then you can pour into jars and set on the shelf. And then you take the clarified solution that was from the previous right. batch, and that you put back in the machine. Got now, it. There's, there's two main reasons that I, I point out for doing it this way, where you're reusing the lye. First of all, it's a waste to dump it down the sink. It's just, it's just a waste, and I hate waste. Yeah. So the, uh, but the second reason is it's more efficient. The longer that lye is used in the electrolyzer, the more and more efficient it becomes. Wow. Able to make the same amount of gas with less and less electricity. Got it. This is, and this is something I've discovered. I'm still using a lye solution that I mixed originally in 1986. Wow. So it's really, I have had to add lye to it occasionally because like I say, minuscule droplets uh, go away, but very rarely, maybe once a decade. That's, I gave you the example in the beginning, you maybe had to add an ounce in it in 10 years. It's. So, it's, and it's, so the minimum time to wait between pouring it out into jars is a couple of days. You should wait at least a couple of days. Well, you'll, you'll see when it's clear. Sometimes yeah. clear is quicker than that, but usually clear. it's a couple of days. Yes. Clear ye yellow. Got it. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we got it. <laughs> and we, oh my goodness, it did take an hour. How about Took that? an hour. That's great. Uh, so, and again, if anybody has any questions, George told you where to contact him. And I think uh, this was perfect. We got all our uh, issues addressed. I think everybody's good to go. And uh, I'm sure we'll get a lot of interest and people uh, peppering you with questions. And I just want to so thank you for doing this and spending time explaining everything. It's a pleasure, Tom. Okay. Thank Thanks, George.